1: welcome to secure the insecure the podcast where i says okay to not be okay i'm johnny seaford and every week i'm joined by one very special guest welcome back to secure and Security the and what an episode i've got for you today but before we talk about that episode I want to talk to you and just say thank you to you. Thank you for being part of the Security and Secure family. Thank you for going on Instagram, going to Security and Secure Podcast, and following. And liking. Liking the old episodes and liking my inspirational quotes I put out. Also every day at the moment at Johnny Seifert on Instagram I'm doing a mental health check in the morning and in the evening just to check on how you're doing. And the numbers are interesting. The numbers are telling me that more of you are actually not fine than being fine. But we're all holding it in ourselves and we're not speaking out. So I just want to encourage you once again to start speaking. Speak to a friend, speak to me, speak to a colleague at work. Just start talking about your feelings. Lockdown is tough, but we're going to be in it together and we're going to get out of it the other side. So don't fear, we're all in this together. Now I want to talk to you about my guest this week. I'm doing it on Zoom, so the sound quality will be a little bit different to what you're used to. But I had to speak to her. She was in one of my favourite bands of all time. You'll know her being in. For four years, she was having her own S Club party. In S Club 7, no doubt, on a Friday night. Since then, she's toured the country as S Club 3, saying it's Viva La Fiesta, and now she's a solo artist with her own single private dance instructor. Obviously, I'm delighted to say I've never had a dream come true, but... Finally, it has happened, as my special guest this week is my number one, who is ready to bring the house down, Tina Barrett. Yes, Tina Barrett is finally on my podcast. So, welcome to Sigourney Insecures, Tina. Um, I mean, I've got so much to ask you. I suppose the best place to be is at the beginning. So, 1976, you were born in London. What was life growing up for you and the music around you?
0: I was very, sort of, from a young age, I always knew I wanted to perform so I was, I was always watching like music videos in front of the mirror of a hairbrush, completely annoying like that. And I started like dance, acting and singing at, I guess, really young, four years old. And, and it kind of, doing that kind of brought me out of my shell a bit, because I was quite shy as a child. And then, and then I just absolutely loved it. And then, um, and then I sort of, when I was 12, I joined Arts Educational, which is a dance school. And I do, um, it's like a stage school, basically. And that's when I kind of thought, yeah, this is it. This is what I want to do. And um, when I left, left um, art said, I did, I worked with um, Jarvis Cocker uh, in Pulp. Did a video, um, and also Shola Ama and Nick and then and then S Club came along. So so I did quite a. I, I sort of dipped my toe in sort of the industry quite a bit before S Club, and um, and then S Club was just something that you cannot explain. I've never known anything like it. It was crazy. We were told that it was going to be like a TV show and music, and also like a Saturday show as well with presenters. And so it was going to be this big, big kind of. It would be more than a pop band, basically. And uh, weird enough, originally I auditioned to be a presenter on the t- on the S yes Club TV show, <laughs> and and then the sort of lady said, "Oh, um, can you sing?" And and I was, and I said, "Oh, yeah." And and she said, "Well, would you be interested in?" being in the being in the pop band and and I said oh yeah definitely I sort of did they recorded me um doing an audition singing a song and then um answering questions and I got a call saying um Simon Fuller wants to meet you and then that's when it sort of um yeah that's when I got in the band so it was all very yeah very exciting yeah
1: I'm one of the first that had music and a band being on a TV show. So obviously this is before High School Musical, this is before Glee. This was kind of the original. Miami 7 comes in, 1999. I'm seven years old. Sorry to make you feel a bit older. But I'm seven years old going, oh my God, this is amazing. I remember the first ever time you did Bring It All Back and it was, you know, in the sunshine, you're on a red level somehow. I don't know much, but I can't remember. But... I remember me and my sisters would watch all of them and we'd be like, oh my God, this is the songs. We need to hear them more. And then it was amazing. It was like, it just literally blew up out of nowhere. And then CBBC, which was my place, was all over it, always. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Well, if I should say that, because we didn't get any airplay at all, none of our records got played on, on the radio. They only got played when they were doing the chart because they saw us as too, sort of, too cheesy. Like, even like the commercial stations as well, so we never got airplay at all we were like oh you know cuz cuz obviously every band wants to hear their record on the radio that's like you know one of the kind of things that you think oh wow i've i've you know we were doing really well we're on the radio <laughs> they just wouldn't play us so yeah it was it was a yeah it was a bit yeah okay but but um i mean we weren't the only ones um i think like other bands similar to us were the same, you know, they just wouldn't play us, you know. But but I think I think radios, possibly more in the UK, they were quite quite particular about, you know, what they played. But I think when we were out, you had Oasis and you had all those type of bands. So they were the ones that, you know, everyone wanted to kind of be associated with not s love seven
1: so you're right at the exact same time you had you know oasis blur 95 that big music battle at the same time take that was coming through really into mainstream yeah then obviously 1999 comes on you're starting to get to millennium and we didn't really know what was going on but cheesy pop was massive but you're almost music for the tv rather than music for the radio if that makes sense
0: yeah yeah i think i think we owe a lot of our success to TV. I mean, it just because our that our TV show we literally um, premiered every song on the TV show, and that's and that's how people heard it basically. Yeah,
1: well, we look at someone like I suppose Simon Cow. That's the most up to date version, and Simon Cow has this massive. Uh, 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 platform where you know for example you'd have the X Factor and he'd perform the songs in the X Factor so he would get his artists on the X Factor that's how they'd promote it and he would control that machine at the time Simon Fuller had your TV shows and that's how he controlled that narrative because he could put your latest song on Miami 7 or LA 7 and that's how we as an audience would hear and see it so do you reckon that was kind of is that a fair comment i suppose to say that it was all very controlled within s club about how you'd get your music out there
0: absolutely yeah i mean we had i mean people call it the machine but it was a machine like we had so many people working behind the scenes it was um well polydor as our record company but we also had like um the bbc and 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 then and then we had um because our um, show was pe- played in other countries. In the end, it was 133 countries. Our show went out to, and we had, I think the figure was 90 million viewers for the wow. TV show. So it was crazy. Does that make you
1: feel <laughs> saying that now, though, in hindsight, 20 years later?
0: I just think that kind of puts it into perspective. I guess how well we did do, because that's like even even by today's standard on social, like on the internet that's still a huge number to get 100% you know?
1: so yeah. then it gets to 2002 you've been in the band for four years what was that life like for you now looking back in hindsight what were those big highs and what were the big lows
0: I guess one thing like I think probably everyone can relate to who was um, in the band was was the schedules I mean we, when you I mean there's grueling and then there's S Club 7 grueling you know <laughs> I mean, we were so tired. Like we we'd have pretty much, I mean, we you're talking fifteen, sixteen hour days, you know, we'd wake up at three in the morning, go to bed at like well sometimes twenty-four hour days actually, go to bed at like three hours in the morning again. We just have like I we all just missed all kind of events in our family. Um, and it was just it was just this bubble never a day off I, th- I think in the whole time we were in the band it was probably had about two weeks off in five years God. it was crazy yeah
1: and it also led to i remember <laughs> yeah. in the show paul and hannah had a relationship for about five years i think i might say. saying how did that affect the band did that make it that you were just one big family or did that cause a little bit of a split when you're there 24 7 together
0: yeah, I mean Paul and Hannah were really cute. I mean, they were um well, I knew that they were together because it was obvious, you know, they were very sort of couple without announcing it. And then and then when they did announce it, we were all just like, uh we knew. <laughs> so it was quite it was quite funny. But but yeah, I guess I guess when you have a couple in the band, um it I, it could it could sort of um make things weird but um, but but I guess you know we, we were we, we were so close-knit that we all just kind of got on with it there, there was nothing
1: because the media could easily have gone right we're going to obviously segregate the two of them make them into a big thing and leave the four of you to be kind of forgotten about now
0: yeah yeah they could have I actually can't remember how the media took it I think I think it was because because I know I, I know in some bands it's a, it's a real big thing and everyone's traumatized but it wasn't like that for us we just kind of I guess because they were always so close it didn't really change any dynamic in the band.
1: So the year 2003, S Club comes to an end. You've been in an intense bubble 24-7 with six other people and management and everyone telling you what to do, where to go. And suddenly you're on your own again. How did that affect you?
0: a real shock to the system. I remember going on holiday a lot and then just kind of not knowing what to do with myself. The weirdest thing was because we used to always be shuttled from here to there and like in chaos, it was a constant sort of organised chaos, if that makes sense. So you know, people would be like picking up our staff while we were just like go, 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 you know, we were either being filmed or made up or something. And um, and and so everyone would gather your stuff. And, and I remember so many times just leaving my stuff and walking off because I was so um, not used to actually taking my stuff. And it just sounds so stupid, but yeah, I would like You're leave a phone. <laughs> oh yeah, the biggest. Yeah no, no no I I wasn't not in a deaverish way like take my phone just like just leaving my phone because i you know i wasn't sort of um we weren't allowed to take our stuff because we were always being filmed so it was, someone was always sort of taking it for us if that makes sense
1: and what about mentally because you had the massive purpose yeah. you in this massive group but then you've come yes. away from this group and now you're just tina barrett a singer from london who used to be in a band
0: yeah yeah it's it it's it's I suppose mental health it does sort of um of course yeah it it kind of it sort of makes you feel I don't know I guess you do feel a little bit down because you're not having that same accolade but in in another way it's kind of like oh I can breathe you know as well and then and, and then it's kind of like um almost just learning how to be yourself again, because cause when you're in a band, you're playing a role. Um, so you can get quite deep with it, I suppose. I totally get why people um, get really down and depressed coming out of that, because it, it's quite easy to do, you know, especially especially if you sort of, because with S Club, it's all based on sort of, uh, you know, you're relying on everyone to give you feedback and, and, and it's weird not having that feedback anymore and sort of, you know, and I know, support. So, yeah, it's, it's a funny one. But it's quite nice kind of just not being under that microscope as well, which can send you mad too, oh, can say. I say.
1: But then when yeah. you're not under that microscope and you're fending for yourself, you're in a band yeah. that you're making money, but I presume not a lot of money because you're getting everything done for you. What do you then do for money and life? after that, when that stops, when you're waking up and just going, okay, what am I going to do now? How am I going to afford what I want to do today?
0: I I wrote with different kind of producers, so I wasn't earning any money. But, I, you know, know, I was doing okay because I'd saved and stuff. And then obviously, I got to a point where I'm like, oh, okay, probably need to start sort of looking at something a little bit more lucrative. You know, because with the writing, you know, I hadn't really None of it. I hadn't really done anything with anything. And it was just kind of like one of those things. And then uh, and and I went on the road with Joe and Bradley. Friend, and you formed S 3.
1: Time. Oh, S Club 4.
0: It was S Club 4. Then it was S Club 3. Yeah, it was crazy, actually. Because I wasn't expecting anything. I was expecting just to do a couple of shows with the guys. And that was it. Um, but it ended up being sort of three years later. We were just constantly, we were just unindated with shows. So it was... It was like festivals and students student pressures gig and then we do like functions and stuff. So it was it was so busy. It's just it was just so kind of quite mad to see how much love was still out there for the tracks and the songs. So it was it was cool. And then we all got together 2015. We all got back together and we were and that was quite nerve-wracking because we were all like, oh, is anyone gonna buy the tickets? what if it doesn't sell out and I think it sold out in two minutes so that was pretty cool
1: and that was the time I couldn't get tickets for free and had to pay for a ticket and actually got a ticket in those two minutes it was one of the best moments of my life
0: oh the reunion
1: I was there London O2 I remember Paul sitting on the steps with his guitar singing an acoustic version was it Reach did an acoustic version of he did a slow song of one of the big songs
0: yeah, he was—he—he he had like an Elvis moment. Where he That's had, it. He was, was he in white or something with the guitar. Yeah,
1: <laughs> very good time. It was—it
0: was, yeah. And he's
1: he, he plays guitar, you know. I don't think anyone knew that, right? No, well <laughs> you wouldn't be allowed a, a guitar band. in there. Um so S three, yeah. your time in the universities. I remember you went to Nottingham and Birmingham and how did you find out that you were seen as almost a piece of nostalgia now that it wasn't like people wanted you mm. for now, they wanted you as a memory of their past. Like yeah. you said, students who are eighteen, nineteen years old who are getting on with their lives, they're still using you yeah. as that nostalgia and yet you've left the band. It's now ten years later, and it's like People don't seem to want to know the Tina now. They want to only know Tina from S Club and still have that association.
0: Yeah, I think when you're coming from such a big band, I think you've got to expect that people are gonna want you to do the band and and do that. And so and, and so it is that kind of like, oh, but I'm here as well doing my stuff. But you know, it's it, it's just one of those things. I, like if S Club wasn't so big, then we wouldn't we wouldn't have that problem. But it's a good problem to have in a way. I'm doing my stuff too, so. We'll, we'll see. I, I, I just think even though nothing's perfect, I'm still really proud of what we achieved in S Club. You know, we we sort of, it was a slog, but, you know, we, we had some great times as well. It's so nice that a lot of people got, like, I guess, a lot of joy from it too. 2017,
1: yeah. you came to see me because you had brought out a new single as S Club 3. The single, I don't know if it did oh, do yes, that I well. yes, I remember that. It was, yeah, I, I was in a Christmas that, yeah. jumper because it was Christmas and I thought I had to wear a Christmas jumper every day and now I've got a <laughs> cupboard full of Christmas jumpers that never get worn. Um, so you had a single out at the time yeah. and I remember listening to it going, this is brilliant. But then nothing ever came yeah. off the back of that, like Steps. Steps had a massive comeback. They've released a new album. They've had yeah. single after single after single again and it's a new version of Steps but in its original form. So they've yeah. still got, um, you know, dance moves that they would have had with Tragedy and one for Sorry back in the day. It never quite hit yeah. it again for you, but like we've said all the way through this chat, yeah. S Club 7 was the biggest nostalgic band of that era. So why do you think it's not transferred to now, but people like the old S Club stuff?
0: I think, I think, I think maybe because it was three of us and possibly if we did something with the whole band, it would be, it would be, um, it would be more S Club and different, like Steps did. But but you know um, the the single we did it was just we we were in touch with Simon Ellis and he had this track we recorded it and we thought you know why not we'll put it out see what happens and and yeah you know you, you never you can't tell really I mean some some songs you think oh yeah no way and then it does amazingly and then other songs just don't so it's just one of those things but but it wouldn't I who knows maybe in the future you know steps have proved proved it can work so i think it's all about timing as well to be honest
1: well to get the seven of you back together when you've all gone in such different paths and all doing different things and dads, yeah. yeah but it's <laughs> yeah. the thing that everyone wants if you read the papers now everything is always yeah. when the s cup seven going to get back together it's 1998 it's 2000 it's 2003 therefore it's going to be 20 years since they got together or 20 years since this happened or 20 years since they split up, they're going to be doing a big reunion. How do you find mentally those rumours always that there's a chance you could get back together? Does it give you that sense of false hope that if the media are pushing for it, it's going to happen because someone's going to do a Spice Girls on you and give you £2 million each, which you'd be stupid to turn that down. Or are you like, that was then? I've got my new single out now. I'm going to just do me now.
0: I think, I think, uh, nowadays with with people from like bands like uh, who who still have like um i don't know who still have like that fan base that want to sort of relive the relive the time and all that i think you can do both really i think it would be it'll be silly to go, oh no, I'm never going to do the band again. I hate the band. (laughs) I, 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 I don't feel like that at all. I think we were like one big family, you know, I mean, without going too cheesy. I mean, obviously we had our moments, but, you know, I think considering five years, working as hard as we did we we weren't we weren't too
1: bad and how are you now as a band do you have a shared whatsapp group are you getting together still away from this is going to be a media product and just being like you said a dysfunctional family or have you all got yeah. your separate ways now and that was a time of your life. It was amazing, but we've actually all grown up now.
0: I think some of the guys have actually been quite open and said that they'd like to do it. I think it's just a case of just getting everyone, getting that right timing. So I'd say watch this space. You never know. So. <laughs> You've
1: been trained so well in the media. Are there more things in the pipeline? I know. <laughs>
0: I said that too because um, I did something um, H. I did H to show H from Steps, and I said I said the same thing. He goes, "Oh, you're so media trained." I was like, uh, "I know." <laughs> it's like it's like a robot riding a bike. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I so, what final question for you, Tina? What legacy do you yeah. think S Club Seven had and has left with you?
0: There's definitely some songs that I hear still here, which is and and I think it's just people just see us as a bit of sunshine all the lyrics are positive and and that we didn't take ourselves too seriously I'm hoping <laughs> because the thing is because there were seven of us we used to kind of there would be a lot of banter so there would be you know everyone would be sort of like you know there'd be no one with, with who got too big for their boots So so because we'd all be so sort of I don't know like we we, we were like kids really we we, it was fun it was good so I think that energy maybe came across and and hopefully I think people can relate to that kind of the vibe that we that we gave off because we we weren't um we were quite relatable I think we were just being ourselves we weren't uber polished we were quite well I won't say rough and ready but we were sort of um we weren't like uh we were a friendly bunch
1: you were and you were you weren't controversial yeah. i know that there were certain members that had their moments but you weren't controversial yeah. you were very kids friendly but now bringing it up to date new single private yeah. dance instructor this is all about you and for a much older yeah. audience this time now so tell me about my new single okay so
0: the new single is called private dance instructor and uh and yeah it's it's got like Flash dance vibes. I mean, I'm from a dance background, so um, it was really fun for me to kind of um, co-write the song um, about being a dance instructor. So I guess it's got Spanish guitar in it, so it's kind of R&B, so it's quite sensual, but pop and perfect way to kind of lose weight after lockdown because you know it's all about
1: dance. (laughs) Is this a start then of you performing an album of more songs or is this a one-off single that you're doing?
0: Yeah I'm definitely um, gonna be doing more music so yeah this is the beginning of doing more stuff yeah. Is that another Watch This Space? It is another Watch This Space. (laughs) I I must admit during lockdown I've kind of released two songs and um like the first one was Mwah Mwah which was a real sort of um I guess gimmicky like tongue-in-cheek one and private dancing church is more of a song yeah i'm i'm really sort of enjoying kind of putting my stuff out there i've co-wrote both of them and i'm i write music as well so it's nice to show another side of me not just s club
1: tina barrett i can't thank you enough you've basically fulfilled a lifetime dream of mine to talk to you so thank you You've been listening to Johnny Seaford on Security and Secure. If you like what you heard, please do rate the podcast, like it, and subscribe to it. I can't make this podcast successful without your help. And remember, it's okay to not be okay. Until next time, I've been Johnny Seaford. Thank you and goodbye.